0: Tammy Lynn Leppert was a beautiful young woman who had grown up competing in child beauty pageants and as she got older, began to get into modeling as well as acting. She had landed a small role in the 1983 teen comedy Spring Break and went to an out of town party after production on the movie Wrapped. However, when she came back from that party, her behavior from that point on was very odd. She began to feel paranoid and claimed that someone was out to kill her. There was speculation that something occurred at the party that Tammy Lynn wasn't supposed to witness. Her mother did what she could to get her help, but nothing could be determined with her. On July 6, 1983, Tammy left her home with a friend and said she would be back soon. She would never be seen again. What happened to Tammy Lynn Leopard? Did she voluntarily run away? Was there any truth to her paranoia? Or was she potentially a victim of a killer known as the Beauty Queen Killer? The answers to those questions are still unknown. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Still Unknown Podcast. A podcast about unsolved murders, disappearances, and the unexplained. My name is Joe Schwartz, and I am the host of this podcast. In this episode, I will be talking about the strange disappearance of Tammy Lynn Leopard, which is made even more perplexing because of the strange behavior she had been exhibiting in the months leading up to her disappearance. Now, I have heard her last name pronounced a few different ways. I've heard it pronounced Leepert. I have heard it pronounced Lepert. Uh... I myself will be pronouncing it leper and I apologize in advance if that is not the correct way of pronouncing it. Now, there are multiple theories in this case and I will go over them in this episode. But before I continue, I want to say again that Still Unknown is a weekly podcast with a new episode available every Wednesday. It is available on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and multiple other platforms. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review on there to help it gain more exposure. And please also share this podcast with anyone you think would enjoy it. I would greatly appreciate all the support I could get. Thank you. And now, let's talk about the case of Tammy Lynn Leopard. Tammy Lynn Lepper was born on February 5, 1965, in Rockledge, Florida, to Richard Lepper and Linda Curtis. In the Unsolved mystery segment on her case, she was referred to as an uncommonly beautiful child. Her father, Richard, had served in the U.S. Navy and worked as a welder on various construction projects, while her mother, Linda, was a theatrical and modeling agent who owned an agency by the name of Galaxy Productions, and when Tammy Lynn was four years old, her mother began to enter her into child beauty pageants. Richard and Linda divorced when Tammy Lynn was seven, and at that point Tammy Lynn went to live with her mother as well as continued to compete in pageants. It's said that in all she competed in over 300 pageants and won around 280 of them. I watched a video on YouTube by Brooke McKenna about this case and she mentioned that in one of the pageants, Tammy Lynn was the winner but a mistake was made and another girl's name was announced as the winner. When hearing about this, Tammy Lynn wouldn't get upset about it or challenge it because she didn't want to take away from the other girl whose name had been mentioned. That was an example of how sweet and kind she really was. In 1978, when Tammy was 13, she became the face of Covergirl. She had dreams of being a model and actress, and Linda kept working with her to get more work, as well as working with other young clients. One of the clients was a boy named Wing Flanagan, who ended up living with Linda and Tammy, and he and Tammy developed a sibling-like relationship. When he was interviewed for Unsolved Mysteries, Wing said, quote, she would bend over and kiss me on the cheek and I couldn't quite ever get it completely off. It was rather embarrassing to walk around with this mark. I think actually I learned to wear it proudly after a while because it was almost a status symbol. It was Tammy, unquote. Tammy Lynn got her first acting job playing a small part in the 1980 film Little Darlings, starring Tatum O'Neill, Christy McNichol and Matt Dillon and then during the summer of 1982 got another small role in the teen comedy Spring Break. It was a non-speaking role in which she played a participant in a boxing match however her legs are featured on the movie poster. It's said that she enjoyed her time on set and when production wrapped she went with the rest of the cast and crew to a wrap party being held out of town. However, when Tammy Lynn returned home from the party, she was a changed person. She was said to before have had a bubbly personality and was very outgoing, but now was sullen, reclusive, and exhibiting signs of paranoia. Whenever asked what was going on, she would say nothing and quickly change the subject. However, her mental state was getting worse and worse over time. She began to express that she felt someone wanted to hurt her, but when asked who, she said she couldn't say. She was hinting that something occurred at the spring break wrap party that she shouldn't have witnessed and people were out to get her. Linda Curtis says that Tammy came to her one day and asked, Mom, what if I told you somebody was trying to kill me? Linda then asked Tammy if she thought someone wanted to kill her, to which Tammy responded, Yes. Despite her mental state, Tammy wanted to continue to pursue acting. In March of 1983, she landed another small role in the Al Pacino film Scarface. She is featured in the famous chainsaw scene as the girl in the blue bikini who distracts Manny, while Tony Montana and his cohort are up in the apartment. All was going well with Tammy until the fourth day of filming. She was on set while a scene was being filmed in which someone would be shot and artificial blood would spurt out. This caused Tammy to become hysterical, and she had to be escorted off set and into a trailer to try and calm down. When going down to Miami to shoot the movie, she had arranged to stay with a family friend named Walter Leibowitz and he was brought to the trailer to talk to Tammy. In his Unsolved Mysteries interview... Walter said, quote, She was in a tremendous state of fear and anxiety, hysterically crying, saying something about money laundering, I don't know where to hide, things of that nature. What it was that caused this great fear in her, I don't know. Unquote. Tammy was then sent home, where her mental state continued to get worse and worse. She would refuse to leave the house or even her own bedroom. She became convinced that someone was trying to poison her and would make Wing taste her food for her. Wing also stated that Tammy once called him over to the window and pointed out the van in the driveway across the street. She specifically pointed to the van's tinted windows and said, They can see us, but we can't see them. It was on July 1st, 1983 that Tammy reached a breaking point. When she stepped outside, a gust of wind pulled the front door shut. When she tried to open the door, she found it was locked and began to panic and frantically started banging on the door and screaming to be let in. Before the door could be opened to let her back in, Tammy noticed a baseball bat laying nearby. She picked up the bat and smashed in the front window of the house. She was irate and claimed Wing had deliberately locked her out of the house. Linda ran into the room and grabbed Tammy to calm her down. Linda knew at that point that she had to try and get Tammy help and checked her into the Brevard Mental Health Center. She underwent a psychological evaluation and it couldn't be determined what was wrong with her. They did determine, however, that whatever the problem Drugs or alcohol were not the cause of it. And Tammy was released after 72 hours. Linda also insisted that Tammy go to the police, which she did. However, did not state that she felt she was in any danger. On July 5th, Tammy went out with her best friend Rick Adams. She told Rick that she loved him and that she might be going away for a while. On July 6, 1983, at 11 a.m., Tammy Lynn left the house to go with a friend named Keith Roberts to Cocoa Beach. She had told her mother, "Bye Mommy, I'll see you in a little bit." Linda got the inexplicable feeling that it would be the last time she would ever see her daughter, and that feeling would unfortunately end up being right. According to Keith Roberts, while driving, he and Tammy became involved in a huge argument which he said was about Tammy wanting him to drive to Fort Lauderdale, to which Keith said he didn't have time for, and Tammy yelled at him to let her out. Roberts claimed he dropped Tammy off in a parking lot near the glass bank building in Cocoa Beach, barefoot and without her purse, and Tammy Lynn Leppert has not been seen since. Hey guys, my name is Miles and I am so excited to tell you about my true crime podcast, Forensic Miles. My co-host and I investigate the cases covered in every episode of Forensic Files. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? Let's find out. Check us out on Instagram at Forensic Miles, Miles with a Y, or listen on Spotify or Anchor. See you there. What happened to Tammy Lynn Leppert? Let's begin with Keith Roberts, the last known person to see her. There are some accounts that Tammy was afraid of Roberts. It's unclear exactly what their relationship was to each other, if they were just friends or if they were ever a couple at any point. I read in the police report shared by Crime Blogger 1983 that Linda tried to contact Keith Roberts that night when Tammy hadn't returned home but appeared to be unable to reach him. She got a hold of him two days later on July 8th, and he told her about the argument with Tammy and how he had dropped her off in a parking lot. Linda felt Keith knew more than he would state. Linda also said that they had known Keith for two years, and he was always secretive about his past and where he's from. He also claimed to be 20 years old, but Linda always saw he was older. There are also some accounts that Keith Roberts wouldn't fully cooperate with the police and even didn't show up for a couple of scheduled interviews, although Roberts himself claimed that he fully cooperated and that he was never called for a formal interview. Keith Roberts had agreed to be interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries, but says he backed out when he heard the line of questioning he was going to be asked. He says, quote, they were asking me questions like, did I think Linda had anything to do with Tammy's disappearance? So I told them I wasn't going to go on a show and start slinging mud on her mother. I told them everything I knew on the phone and that wasn't good enough. End quote. Could there be anything to a theory that Tammy disappearing because of Linda? There are some accounts that Tammy was telling friends that she was unhappy at home. She had been competing in pageants and modeling since she was a very young child and that could have been a cause of her psychological issues. She might have felt a lot of pressure from Linda and it could have manifested into her strange behavior in the time leading up to her disappearance. After Tammy disappeared, a Cocoa Beach detective had received two phone calls from a woman claiming that Tammy was still alive and would make contact when the time was right and also that she was living her true dream of being a nurse. There is no way of knowing how valid these calls were, though. Another theory to emerge was that Tammy was possibly a victim of serial killer Christopher Wilder, also known as the Beauty Queen Killer. Wilder was from Australia, and in early 1984, he raped at least 12 women and murdered at least 8 of them. Linda speculated that Wilder was involved in Tammy's disappearance because he was believed to have been around the area at the time of her disappearance. Linda even filed a lawsuit against Wilder with the thought that it could get him to reveal any information on Tammy that he might have. It was later withdrawn when Wilder was killed on April 13, 1984 during a shootout with police. Linda later said, that she never really believed Christopher Wilder to be responsible, and there is nothing that really connects him. It was also, also theorized that she might be a victim of John Brennan Crutchley, a.k.a. the vampire rapist, who was suspected of murdering up to 30 women, but was never convicted for murder. He got his nickname from the fact that he would drain his victim of blood almost to the point of death while he raped them. Now, I won't get into all the graphic details on him, but you can look him up if you so choose. But he was active in Brevard County around the time of Tammy Lynn's disappearance. However, there was nothing found to connect him, and Crutchley died in prison in 2002. Let's go over one final theory. Was there really any truth to Tammy's paranoia? When looking at this case's page on the official Unsolved Mysteries website, there was a comment from a user named Carl in December of 2018 that actually makes a lot of sense. This is what Carl posted, It seems very obvious to me that Tammy was sliding into a schizophrenic-like mental illness. Persecutory delusions, delusions where people believe they are being hunted, harassed, or stalked, are the most common type of delusion experienced by the people suffering from this ailment. In this situation, the person can never actually explain who is targeting them because it's a confabulation that never completely materializes. It is always simply a mysterious them. They are everywhere, an ever-present threat looming above and lurking in every shadow. They have done something, fraud, money laundering, murder. Something that the person somehow has knowledge of, despite never explaining where, when, or how that knowledge came to be. People in this state do not usually know that they are experiencing anything unreal. They believe completely in the thoughts they're having and are driven by terror. People can experience this in manic and depressed states, and even mixed states, which explains why some days Tammy almost seemed normal or happy and was otherwise withdrawn and isolated, end quote. And to me, I would agree that Tammy's behavior was due to her possibly being undiagnosed with schizophrenia. Maybe something did happen at the party that freaked her out, and with the possibility of pressure she might have felt in other areas of her life, it could have led to a psychotic break. Now, let me say that I am obviously not a mental health expert, but this just makes the most sense to me as a way to explain her behavior changing in the way that it did. Carl goes on to say in the post that he had a friend who went through something similar and he ended up taking his own life eventually because of the mental anguish got to be too much. Is it possible that Tammy Lynn took her own life as well? There has been absolutely zero trace of her since July 6th, 1983. In total, there have been 13 Jane Doe's that have been ruled out as being Tammy. And if Tammy Lynn Leppert was alive today, she would be turning 55 years old on February 5th. If you have any information on the disappearance of Tammy Lynn Leppert, please contact the Cocoa Beach Police Department at 321 868-3251. Again, please contact the Cocoa Beach Police Department at 321-868-3251. If you have your own thoughts on what happened to Tammy Lynn Leppert, you can email me at stillunknownpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at stillunknownpodcast. The platform I use to record this podcast, Anchor, also has a feature in which you can leave me a voice message, and there is a link to do so in the show notes. There are also links in the show notes to the sources where I got a lot of my info for this episode if you want to read more into this case yourself. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a rating and review to help this podcast gain more exposure as well as tell anyone you feel would enjoy this podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will be back with another episode next Wednesday, talking about another case where the final answers are still unknown.